Hello, Bold and Conscious Leader. Welcome to our new and refreshed season of the Bold Conscious Connections podcast, where we bring to you people who have shown special courage, character, and consistency to express themselves fully. After all, as long as we're alive, we want to live a full life, don't we? So our guests that we bring demonstrate that they do not want to die with their gifts because we're all meant to be given gifts that we share with others. And this is how we play our part in raising our collective consciousness in this world through this podcast called Bold Conscious Connections. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest today. For all you entrepreneurs out there and for those who want to be entrepreneurs and need inspiration, motivation, then you want to listen to this conversation I had with Joseph Gissy, CEO of Tactive Wealth. Stories make the world go around. Stories inspire us, educate us, entertain us. And my conversation with Joe had all these wonderful elements. Joe left home at an early age, defying social odds, setting off on his own journey. He left the suburbs of Chicago to end up in California, looking to set up a production company, dreamy-eyed, and all the things that people look for when they arrive in Hollywood uh, or Southern California. But little do we know that life always has, you know, ways to unfold that you never expect. Joe is a great example of how he embraced several things uh, in life that uh, life threw at him. Not necessarily a story of going to school of hard knocks, but life has a way of knocking you hard. And he had his share. Uh, he went through not only going door to door to uh, sell whatever he was selling then in California. He went through consumer products, uh, beverage uh, companies, and on and on. And you'll hear all about this in this conversation. So I don't want to talk about how he stumbled and bumbled. And as, as life comes full circle, Joe returned to home base, handling his, handling his father's financial advisory business. He talks about his journey uh, on how he's built new businesses uh, and now always focused on personal growth and truly helping others, financial advisors, to live a more enriching and fulfilled lives. You're in for a treat, my friends. You may want to take some notes as Joe drops so much wisdom and so many nuggets for you to ponder and, of course, to put them into practice. So let me not babble anymore and let you in on this great chat I had with Joe Gissy. Well, 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 I've been waiting for a while to have this conversation. I uh, recently broke new ground here to have clients on my podcast. So one such client is Joseph Gissy. I'm going to switch between Joe and Joseph here. Joe is a multifaceted professional and got to know him over the past few months. And I've discovered more and more, and I'm going to discover more and more as we speak with him. We didn't know he was also a business coach, he's an entrepreneur and wealth management. He's the CEO of Tactive Advisors, a wealth tech platform that we've been advising and helping raise capital for them. And that's all I'll say about that. So Joe specializes in really providing individuals and, and financial professionals with comprehensive asset management solutions through Tactive. And uh, he also built his uh, proprietary robo-advisory platform. Right now, Joe's focus is really empowering businesses and wealth advisors to achieve substantial exposure through digital marketing and automated systems. I'll say no more. 
Joe, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, Raju. Uh, actually, been waiting to do this with you for a while anyways, just because uh, one, it's, it's a lot of fun. And two, just to have like this forum to talk is, is always interesting and, and fun. Yes, totally. So we're going to flow. And of course, all of your colorful background, I'll put in the show notes. So I'm going to start by asking you, as I usually do with most guests, is don't tell me what you do, because that's going to be in the show notes. Who is Joseph Kissy? If I had one word to describe me, uh, or if others were to describe me, it would just be happy. Um, <laughs> very, very little gets me down. Let's put it that way. Like probably most entrepreneurs, I, I kind of thought that I was an entrepreneur. I didn't think I was. I've just always tinkered with things throughout my entire life, you know. And, and it took me a while before people kind of told me, never thought it was weird starting companies. You know, I would just go start something and I would go down this path and create a business card. And yeah, I'd put CEO on it, but I might be, you know, 19, 20 years old with a CEO title <laughs> on a business card. Never thought it was entrepreneurial. I just thought, you know, you can do this and, you know, you're living the dream and trying yeah. to build something. And, I, and even though throughout my life, I've had other jobs and had to support myself. It always comes back to me doing my own thing and I'm great working with people. I love teams, but at the end of the day, I also just like creating. It's kind of like, that's just me. So love building businesses. I love being creative, um, love being entrepreneurial. And, and I guess maybe that's why I'm happy because I get to do what I love mm. and I've done it over and over again. So that's what makes life so interesting and fun. Well, that's great because that's a perfect segue to what this podcast is about. You know, it, it says in bold words, bold, conscious connections, unity, consciousness, and you know, a lot of people don't know what the heck that is, but that's okay. This series, uh, I'm really talking to entrepreneurs like you about you telling stories about what, what we, so it's, I'm calling it bold entrepreneurial tales, i.e. stories. Mm -hmm. And my listeners tend to be, you know, CXOs, corporate leaders, et cetera, founders like yourself of entrepreneurs and others. So let's begin by talking about, as we know, turning points make, and the stories that gave us that turning point. What was one or two, a bunch of turning points in your life that led you from corporate life to entrepreneurship? I know you kind of touched on that as far as being a happy person, but let's just dig a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this one, one story, and this is really what kind of set it apart for me. So I wanted to move to, I was, I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. And oh. right after I graduated or near the end of graduation, I started really enjoying doing like not productions, but I had a buddy who was in the film department mm -hmm. at my college. So I did a little acting. It wasn't that I wanted to be an actor. I just liked the entire process, but I didn't go to, you know, this is my senior. Year. I didn't go to college to learn how to do production or be a director or anything like that. But I just liked that whole vibe and, and kind of space. And this is before Facebook was ever around. MySpace was just kind of starting out. And as I was in St. Louis, I was looking at it and I go, you know, it would be really neat to build a community of actors, models, musicians, you know, and, and some of what MySpace is doing, but, but do that specifically for that group of people. And when I packed up my bags and told my dad I was moving to California, he thought I was going to go be an actor. That's not, and I, I told him, go, I'll try, but that's not really what I'm going out there to do. I, I'm actually going to go start a production company, you know, <laughs> knew nothing about it. And uh, got in the car, very little money in the pockets, sleeping on, on friends' couches. And I started this little production company. And mm. The way I attracted people to join my platform, I mean, I was building this thing and, and, you know, didn't really know what I was building, but I was basing it kind of off of my space and what I saw. I would create flyers. I'd walk down, you know, Hollywood Boulevard, sunset, put them on cars, go to people's apartments, putting them on, you know, mm -hmm. people's mailboxes. I ended up amassing like 
three to 4,000 followers or not followers, mm. but users of my platform, you know, before long, I had this knock on the door and I, I got this cease to desist letter from one of the largest talent agencies in Hollywood. And I was like, I'm looking at this going, oh, wait, maybe they want me to, you know, they want to represent me. I go, oh no, they're suing me. <laughs> so I go, okay, <laughs> what, what is this about? So that scared, scared a, a 25 year old kid who's mm. basically eating ramen noodles and barely living off five bucks a week, you know? Mm. So it was a pretty good lesson of, well, you know, I made a big enough splash that some of the big people are, are looking, you know, at me, but also be somewhat cautious that this is something that could happen. Mm. I ended up getting scared and, um, you know, I had no money to fight it, so I wasn't mm. going to do anything. And I ended up shutting the company down. And, but at the same time, it just gave me like some of that, those tools and, and resources to just basically persevere and go, you know what, some of this stuff, you really just got to keep going and it might be scary, but you know, you just got to keep trying. There'll be another thing that will come along. And of course, you know, as you probably know, and many people that go on your podcast, there's always something else that will come along the way. It's sure. never one and done when, when you kind of think this way. Well, it takes a lot of courage, obviously, to do what you did. Now, did you end up in companies in corporate life as well? What did you do after that? I had the dream job in college for a young man who's, who's in a fraternity. Uh, I was working for Anheuser-Busch. I would work, um, actually, this is kind of interesting. I, I used to, well, it's interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting for other people, but I used to wake up and, and go to the warehouse at four in the morning and load, load the beer trucks, build the orders and put them on a forklift. And, you know, I was, I was you know, 21, 22 years old, putting, putting this stuff on the trucks and let them go out. Then I go to class all day and then I'd go bartend at night. So it was kind of like, I would, I would do that. And then I would also do promotions for them. So I'd go out to the mm -hmm. bars and a lot of the, the buddies would come out and, you know, I'd buy all the beer and that was, that was awesome. So when I got to California and I had no money and I was trying to, to start this company and do anything, I just went back to what I knew and got a job at, at Anheuser-Busch back in California. And mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, working my way up through the ranks. I ended up being uh, the non-alcoholic manager for when Monster Energy ended up going to Anheuser-Busch. So it, they ended up distributing it before Coca-Cola did today. And because of that, I ended up getting promoted to monster. And I ended up running the, the major region for Southern Los, most of LA and the central coast of California. So I had Hollywood and the beaches. I had the job where, you know, I, I would help the distributors do kickoffs and I would make sure that they were, you know, selling and all that fun stuff, all the rah-rah events. But I would also have a fun job because I'd have to take some of the important people out at night. So, you know, kind of living mm -hmm. that somewhat Hollywood lifestyle while I have the corporate life, but you got the corporate credit card. There are instances where, you know, you'd walk up to a place and the rope would open and you'd go right to a table. That was me with people. Um, <laughs> it was a very fun lifestyle. I have a lot of friends that are still there, but that was like a, being at monster was really interesting for me because they were, I think like, uh, I think they were hitting like the $1 billion mark when I was first, you know, dipping my toe in with them. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up being, you know, a 10 plus billion dollar company and just seeing that ramp up at that time by the corporate office where the corporate office is in Corona, California, and I'm in Southern California. It was just such a great experience. I felt like I really understood one, the, you know, what a corporate shift in the corporate life can go from being completely entrepreneurial to like very buttoned up, you mm -hmm. know, but also just being around that type of education of branding and marketing and sales and consumer product, like and creating new, new brands that they did, new flavors. Being around that at that age, I think really helped me be who I am today, but it was just such a great experience. And I got to meet such wonderful people that I'm still friends mm -hmm. with, you know, the majority of those people today right. too. So uh, this podcast is about bold and conscious, as I said. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about is bold. So what does bold mean to you when I say the word bold? Uh, you know, we in our, this book, 
define bold <laughs> as uh, in our own definition. You take the dictionary meanings, but you know it has five components, which are you know ambition, conviction, decisiveness, and then two weird ones, if you will, for most people: heart-centered and humility. So mm -hmm. that's just how I kind of define it. What does it mean to you when I say in the context of what you just said and what you're continuing to do as your multifaceted person that you are? Well, I, I like that you keep calling me multifaceted. I appreciate that. Bold to me, it's not just about taking big chances. Your definition does well round what bold should be, if somebody, especially if somebody's going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. You can take big chances. I would say they're somewhat calculated, but at least you're going to go in with the knowledge that you can make that chance work. I take on a project now or, or I'm, you know, with Tactive. I have the conviction that Tactive is going to be a success. You know, and, and no matter what, I'm going to work my tail off until it is a success. Mm -hmm. And then you can surround yourself with the right people. And, and I believe we have in order to, to achieve that result. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, going back to the happiness part of it, if you're taking this big, bold chance, you have to also enjoy it. You have to enjoy what you're doing. Don't just go after you know a, a journey and, and be completely miserable. There's one I don't believe that will be successful. You know, There are people, they create things because they just want to hurry up and, and sell things or, or whatever. But if you're not actually doing it for the right reasons, or you're not actually you know putting your heart into it, if you're not going to put your energy into it, then it's, it's really not going to be a good product. It's just going to be kind of something that's you can call wishy-washy or just it's going to be a bad product. It's not going to be mm. good whatsoever. So yeah. bold to me is, is taking those big swing for the fence chances. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do. I'm doing it because I, I had a very comfortable lifestyle. Uh, things were fine. I was just a financial advisor working with my father. It was a great you know, practice and, and enjoying life and building a client base. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, I see that there's this gap in the market and I'm going to go tackle it. But I, I believe that if I go tackle this gap, that we're going to be successful because I believe mm -hmm. other people are going to need that as well. So let's go ahead and create this company and let's go, mm -hmm. let's go do it. So, you know, catalyst, so, so either you, you make a change, a big shift in your life, it's transformational, let's say, happens because either something inspired you to do that, or it's a catalyst. In my case, the catalyst was the tsunami and shit, you know, my family and I were swept away. And that changed life. Or some people have health issues and, you know, until they actually have health issues themselves or a loved one has it, nothing changes for them because, oh yeah, I should be, you know, fit and, you know, healthy. I know you're into fitness as, as well. So... Whether it's that example or entrepreneurial, what is it that caused you? Was there a specific moment, a decision that you made that a catalyst, inner or outer? So I actually always call these snap moments. So that's like kind of my, like, you know, I just kind of, or aha moments, right? First time this happened, and this, this happens repeatedly throughout life, and it, it just kind of depends. Well, first and foremost, you know, I read a lot. And I tend to read, I like to read a lot of motivational books, but I also, I read a lot of business books, you know, things that can help improve me. Or it might be topics that I'm really interested in, or it might just be some motivation. So it's kind of like those are the three things. I don't really, I don't read a, a lot of science fiction, even though, you know, Elon Musk loves to, and uh, that's what got him to create all the things he did. So that's not my journey, but there was a book that my, my father gave me, and this was right after I was in California and, you know, sleeping on the couches. It was called uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World by Ogmandino. Absolutely. And one of the things about it... I didn't realize it at the time, you know, my dad's been into business and sales and, you know, he would always suggest things to me. And I, and I did read those books like Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill back in high school. Mm -hmm. I did some things in high school that are entrepreneurial, but that's, you know, another time. But this was one that really, as you, as you asked for, was a catalyst for me. You live with these principles for 30 days and it's like a mantra and you repeat it over and sure. over again. And then I will persist until I succeed. Yes. That was the very first one. And because of that, 
that really resonated with me and was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not a bad employee because I'm a really hard worker. I'm a bad employee because I always find better ways to do things. And then it, it tends to make, you know, whoever's my manager or boss at the time, a little upset with me. Cause I'm like, well, why, you know, I question things, well, why are we doing that? Couldn't we do it this way? It'd be so much easier. And then I can solve this problem. But that was one of the, the drives for me just to start, you know, really some other businesses that, that I started getting into while I was out in California. And then Typically along the way, what happens is I just keep reading something like the start tactic. I re it's funny. I did reread how to influence and influence people. That was just kind of like this, this random, you know, read it before I decided to read it again. I did reread uh, the greatest salesman in the world just because I, I thought that would be good to reread again. And just by reading those two, as I was, as I was putting, as I was working my own advisory practice, and then this idea came to me, that's kind of where I was like, okay, well, let's start another, let's start another company. It's so it, so the catalysts are usually because I'm reading something and mm. it hits me at that time. And, and I've come to realize, I would suggest, I suggest books to friends and people all the time sure. and they read it and they're like, okay, it, does, it just doesn't speak to them the same way. And that's why I like to read a lot because you don't know what part of the book is going to speak to you or give you that motivation or then give you that little, mm. aha, if I do things a little bit this way, this makes sense. Right. And I'm really into marketing books right now. I'm really into digital marketing. I've been doing that for the last, you know, nine, 12 months and I'm buying everything on the market and I'm trying to consume everything. And it's once I get into something too, I just completely, yes. you know, indulge on it. And, um, I'd like to take those little nuggets out because then I, I like to implement them. And then I like to try things out. And as sure. soon as I try something out, I'm like, okay, that little piece works. This little piece works over here. And then what if we can tie all this together? That's what happens to me all the time. Well, that's beautiful because that's that's how you know we're so much alike. I mean, I'm much older here, but well, you you added up your year as if you were about 100 years old, but you're, you're not. So we know that. But, <laughs> Thank you. But you know, it is it is this you know focus on and investing in yourself every single day or every single year. I I made a commitment when I was 24 that no matter what my company would ask me to go to training to help them succeed, I will still do things that I want to do that would make me feel you know for me personal growth and personal development is about depth. And so you can only go deep when you have these moments of, let's say, you know, you're either speaking with somebody who's, who's had the experience or you're reading books that are inspirational for you, because not everything appeals to everybody, as you said, right? So it'll be just whatever your challenge might be in that moment that then inspires you to take action. And I think it's always about taking action. So speaking of taking action and inspiring, how do you inspire others on your team or people that you touch, whose lives you touch to make those sort of but I'm calling them bold, but, you know, in micro steps, bold decisions without feeling overwhelmed with complexity. You also talk about simplifying complexity as you're doing in your talk to that a bit. You know, we learn by stories, right? You know, exactly. that's why we do these podcasts and people share their life stories. I always seem to to resonate, you know, you equate a problem with a story. I've decided to become a better storyteller. <laughs> Maybe this is an age thing. As we get older, we decide to talk more. Um, <laughs> well, you're sharing we more be because there's some, something, some wisdom that you, you know, garnered. Yeah, you it, share. You want to share. You saw a great movie. It, you want to share, of course, but then this is your life. Yeah. And, and honestly, it feels good. I mean, right now I have, there's, there's this, uh, one younger lad who, who has this, uh, consumer product company. He's calling me all the time and, you know, I'm sharing my stories and giving them advice and I, and I, I love doing it. You're giving them all that experience, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's one way you, you can really get the message across. You know, even bad situations, you can just, if, if you can look at it and just say, hey, this is a learning experience. Mm -hmm. I look at that too. So I don't always make the best decisions, but if I make a decision and it's wrong or maybe 
maybe in a heat of a moment, I act irrational, then I'll, I'll be like, okay, well, wait a minute, let me step back a second and mm-hmm. let me, you know, reconvene and then figure out how do we make this better? Okay. So what did we learn from this lesson and how do we pivot that? So yeah, just for inspiration with other people, sharing those stories, sharing that experience that we've, we've had and, and, you know, I mean, I'm 42, so I've had some pretty good experiences up to this mm-hmm. point and hopefully continue well into the future. My grandmother just turned 96 the other day. So I think I have some longevity, but, uh, yeah, those positive experiences. And then it's, I guess it's the way you tell them too, that, that helps, uh, exactly. helps resonate with others. Yeah. I guess we're all in the storytelling business, whether you're a banker like me and coach, you're always telling stories because stories inspire and teach. And so I think, and it, they teach us as you tell the story, right? Cause when you, when you teach it, you, you also learn it twice. So, you know, again, Going back to being heart centered, because that's what you are. Because, you know, you also, I love the fact that when you said, you know, you learn something new and then you want to implement it, because otherwise, what's the point? Reading reading a book and you know, if you're not going to apply it. So I know your current kick is marketing and, and automation. And I love that too, because like you, I'm all over these, all the new technologies and I just absolutely just enjoy it. You know, whatever happens doesn't mean it's going to, you know, make or move, move you in life. It's just something you do. And then if it helps you to, you know, accelerate growth. And that's, that's what you're doing. But in terms of heart centeredness, uh, can you share any example of perhaps where your, your heart centeredness played a crucial role in achieving success for you or, or others? And success does not mean money in my, in my definition. I do want to touch upon one thing. And I think this could, this could tie into to that question. But the other reason why I read a lot of books, and, and I want to go out and implement things is because I don't want to ever have anybody do something that I wouldn't want to do myself. Mm-hmm. So all the digital marketing, I've implemented it. I've seen success with it. I actually had to dial it all back right. <laughs> because it was, it was achieving a good result, but not necessarily where I needed it to go yet. And that's the same thing I've, I've done from all the teams that I've managed. Like I would never ask them to do something I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, wasn't willing to do. Plus also gives me the knowledge of what they're going through. Exactly. Right. So I, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that's, that's the key. You know, what I'm doing right now, it's funny. I mean, I could be a financial advisor. It's a good lifestyle. It's noble. You're helping other people achieve their dreams and they get to retire and all that. The reason why I like Tactive and the reason why I like doing what I'm doing now is because I get to affect change on a massive level. And like everything with digital and social media, it's like scaling mass, you know, be in front of as many people as you can. But if I can create the platform that gives advisors better options to help service clients, if I can give them the better tools, even though, look, I know advisors, they want to grow their businesses because that helps them with their lifestyle and feed their family. And, you know, but they're also helping other people too. And there are a lot of advisors that they put their clients first and their fiduciaries and they, they want to help. But if I could start there now, I'm affecting, you know, a smaller group of people who then has the effect of all the the people who are their clients. And then what I look at, I'm always, you know, interested at how do we help that consumer though, do the journey right. So they can work with somebody who's professional. And, and there's this disconnect and there's this world of like, you know, don't go after they lock horns, you know, consumers are like, I don't want to get ripped off and advisors are like, but I have a solution for you that I know will work. You're just not listening. Mm-hmm. And then they, they get into the, all the minutiae of like fees and different portfolios and things that like is noise at the end of the day. It's, it's just about, you know what, it's almost like in a, I'm going to give a plug for a competitive company, but at the same time I've used TD Ameritrade. Mm-hmm. TD Ameritrade had a great commercial. 
it was people coming in. It was the guy sitting on the couch with a clipboard and they're basically having a discussion like it's a therapy session. <laughs> it's really what it should be. You should be able to talk to this person in the advisor community and they should say, how do we really want to create and make your life happy? Right. That's really what you're doing. You're just ensuring that they li their lives can continue happiness and their lives mm -hmm. can continue doing what they want to do. So for me, you know, if Tactive is a huge success and we make a lot of money financially, okay, that's, that's awesome. But for me, if it's a success because advisors want to come use our platform mm -hmm. and consumers want to use our products and our services and they want to connect with advisors on our platform, just having that business built is exciting and seeing that it's working and seeing that they're getting the value out of it. Because if it's working, they're getting the value out of it uh, at the end of the day. So to me, that's, that's what's exciting about this. And that's why I feel like it's more of a noble cause than just going out there. Because I could build a large RIA. I could build, like I said, I could build an advisory practice. I could sell that. That's very self-fulfilling. That's the trajectory everybody else does. Right. But when you're a business owner, you actually get to affect other people. Maybe right. that's really why. Maybe I'm having a moment right now, Raju. I'm thinking to myself, maybe that's why I do what I do because it's way more fun to see the the smiles on on people's faces. This is another thing that I like. I just like it when people have success or get promoted. So mm -hmm. when I manage teams at at Budweiser and Monster, I never wanted to be the boss to stand in their way. I was like, if you can go above me and beyond me, I'm stoked because I did my job correctly to get you to the position where you're going to get promoted. And right. the same thing here, if, if advisors are having success, that excites me. Like, you know, when programs right. work and they're like, this is really working, that's so much more fulfilling than uh, a pocketbook, you know, than awesome. anything else. Well, so you, you, again, you're speaking the language here because I, you know, we always say that, our, you know, leadership or, or entrepreneurship is a spiritual journey because you're seeing and impacting the ripple effect or you're helping to create the ripple effect on the person whose life you're touching. So I think we're already talking about business and, and heart-centeredness and so on already. So you touched on, you know, Tactiv, what, what Tactiv does. So might as well just, you know, go ahead and talk to the story. I mean, you're in a highly regulated industry, particularly when individuals and consumers are, as you said, bombarded by, you know, all sorts of, you know, financial products. And most people don't like to talk about money. Even if they're wealthy, yeah. they just don't know what to do with it, right? Uh, and if they don't have it, different problem. But in this regulated industry, because everybody, you know, the SEC wants to make sure that, you know, you don't hurt the poor, the poor person who's out there, uh, you know, you take his money away, right? So a lot of financial professionals are out there, just as you said, coming at you from all directions to sell you from everything from, real, you know, products and wills and estates and planning and financial products. How do you keep it ethical for you? And I guess pushing the boundaries, making sure we have the regulatory boundaries are intact, but yet you <laughs> innovate and allow the, the robustness of whatever you're building to make it easy for everybody. Yeah. So I'll give you kind of this analogy. I used to do this in, in one of my retirement courses I used to teach. So I, I used to list everybody on the, on the board and say, you know, there you are as a person, you know, you need to get a mortgage. You go find a mortgage broker, you go to the bank, you yeah. have the bank and yeah. they're going to tell you how to spend your money. And then you need car insurance. You know, you go down and talk to your state farm farmers, whoever, they're going to tell you how to spend their money and try to sell you some of their products. You go to, you know, a financial advisor, they're going to tell you how to do it. You go to your, get your taxes done. Next thing you know, they're going to tell you how you should be handling your money. And they're typically yelling at your advisor. And um, <laughs> you, have, you have all these people, they're just locking horns with different philosophies. Some of them might be fighting over your wallet, but they might be too, because they, they believe they have the best solution and product for you as a consumer. 
in reality, they don't know the full story of what you are and what you want to do and how you want to live your life. They're only getting that piece of it and they're only focused on that little piece. So we're really trying to create the platform where, and we're, we're making the financial advisor as the quarterback, as I like to say. So yes, yes. let's, let's give you one point of contact and then let's let that one point of contact have access to all these other services. And then they can work with those other services. And maybe, you know, they're still working with that CPA. Maybe they're still working with the banker. They're working with the insurance, you know, agent or rep or whatever, but at least it's one person that can put the comprehensive plan, the goal together and say, now, how do we make this happen? And advisors try to do this on their own. It's very tricky. You know, it's, you know, it's just, you have to go out, you have to meet people, you have to trust them. Is that person staying in business? Do they move? Like there's just a lot of moving pieces of the puzzle, but now mm. with technology and software, you can create an online platform. And that's really what we're, we're doing here. And that allows the consumer to get all the services and find the right advisor and then let the advisor be that quarterback and let the advisor, you know, figure mm. out the other services they need. So that in a nutshell is, is the fundamental purpose of it. It came from myself when I was having clients uh, and, you know, I needed to reach out to other people. I started working with a local uh, CPA who, you know, st I started referring clients to, and then we started putting tax optimization strategies. Okay. Well, if I did this, what is this going to do to their taxes? Right. I mean, you know, if you could start thinking of it that way, where instead of your client, I use the, the tax, you know, the CPA as a good example, because a lot of advisors get this from their clients when it comes to tax season, all of a sudden they're getting that phone call. One, they're asking for where their statements are and they're saying, well, why did you buy and sell so much? You know, how do I have such a gain and I have to pay these taxes or how did you, you know, you could avoid that if everybody yeah. was working together ultimately yes. is what the consumer needs. Right. Right. So, right. So surely others are doing this or is that not the ethos of any, any uh, wealth manager out there? It's very disjointed. You have some aspects of it. Our platforms connecting all the pieces in a platform to make it seamless. So it's, it's easy to connect with somebody else. It's easy to pass along information. Actually, that's, you know, one of the best things that we're doing is we're making it seamless to pass on the information and we're making it seamless to say, you know, Hey, given these life decisions that you're making or these, you know, these life events, now it's time for this thing over here. It's trying to figure out what the right pieces are for the clients. And that's where we start getting into some automation and some AI in the back and, and things that we're putting together, you know, really helping people AI, everybody's worried about it taking over the advisor. You know, I embrace tech and change. They thought that about the robo advisors, that, that the robo advisors were going to take over 10 years ago, but that proved else, you know, otherwise, mm -hmm. uh, I think all this tech and AI and, and things of that nature, I think they're enhancements. So I think it helps augment the value the advisor can do, but you still need somebody who understands all these different services and can definitely, you know, run the plays right. for you and do the drills for you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot of value because again, you know, if you just trust the machine or, you know, the machine can get it wrong or you put the wrong input in be pretty devastating on you. And it's a pretty bad sometimes on, on some of the decisions people can make when it comes to their retirement and not running out of money and mm -hmm. what they really want to do with their wealth. Exactly. Yeah. So you're able to balance this, you're saying the regulatory side and be able to provide these services without the boundaries that yeah. need to be, don't need yeah, to be. Yeah. We're, I mean, look, highly regulated industry, but we're definitely managing how we balance it too. We don't want, we don't, obviously don't want any uh, regulatory issues, but you know, as long as you have the right partnerships and right. you know, platform in place, it's, it's okay. perfectly fine. For those listening still or watching, watching this, uh, you know, you see that you, you talk about building a business where you, it's going to be fun or happy. You're not going to be, if you're not gonna be happy, you don't do it. You talked about you being, you know, you don't, don't like, you don't like to stay down in the dumps for too long. Maybe that was my word. 
Uh, so resilience, <laughs> resilience, right? So I feel like my re- my name is res- resilience. My middle name is resilience. So how do you cultivate that for people that that you're surrounded by, or you allow yourself to be surrounded by, or people like people that you would recruit on your teams, etc., to make sure that there is that culture of boldness or or resilience and adaptability? Are there real life examples you're able to share? Well, I can tell you, look, starting a new, starting, starting a startup is definitely tough, right? You know, you got capital constraints, you're trying to get new clients, you're wearing multiple hats and you're, you know, doing a lot to your team that maybe they wouldn't do if you had a a larger team. For me, I, (laughs) it's funny. I just watched this, this uh, video. Uh, This person was making fun of, of the entrepreneur today, like today's entrepreneur and you know, they, they go, uh, they wake up at noon and they, they meditate and they go do a sauna and, you know, all these funny things. And I go, well, that's pretty much kind of my life right now. If I noticed I'm really having a bad day or, or things just aren't going my way and I need to recalibrate, I will take a timeout. I'm very cognizant and I believe a lot of entrepreneurs and, and successful CEOs will tell you something similar. I take a five or 10 or 15, whatever it takes. I won't take, can't take much more than that, but I'll at least take that and I'll, I'll go put on, uh, I get this meditation uh, from the Calm app and I'll just sit there and I'll zone out. I'll just be like, yeah. I need I need a couple minutes. We'll answer text, emails, yeah. phone calls, turn it all off. Mm-hmm. That helps. And then I can get right back into the action and then I can just get going again. It's definitely a re-energizer. If I could do that every day, I would probably do it every day. I wish mm-hmm. I could put that into my, my daily routine, but, but I don't. I have noticed that for me, if I'm not around my team that often, and let's say they're only getting bits and parts of me, and it's the bits and parts where I'm like, hey, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. Let's do this. Have you done this? And I'm just nipping at all that, mm-hmm. even though I'm not being mean about it, but it's, I'm not giving them that attention and we're not having that full on conversation where they're seeing the excitement of everything that's going on. They're only getting things piecemeal. So they're, they're sitting there wondering, well, what the heck is, what, what's going on over here? And now he's having me run over here. But when I start having, and actually I got away from my, I had these little meetings, uh, like coffee chats in the morning and, I, and little ops check-ins and things of that nature where we just do our, I was like, you know, I only have time for one meeting a week. Let's do one yeah. meeting a week. Instead of a quick little 15 minute get together, you know, in the morning, like, cause we're virtual and what we're missing is that office environment where you do get to come in, you put your stuff down, you go get a coffee and then you have a quick, hello, how you doing? So I brought that back. We did it at the start of Tactive and then we, we stopped for a while, but we brought it back now. It's a game changer for us because then they get to hear a little bit more of what's going on. They get to see that you're happy. And then that correlates with them too. And then next thing you know, their attitude is completely different and they're happy, you know? So it's, for me, it was getting away from that and realizing for us, we needed that again, especially in today's virtual environment. I mean, I love the office setting. I used to enjoy it a lot. I am way more productive at home than I would be in an office because I am one of those social butterflies. You start giving me off. I can pin down and and work if you let me close my door, but if not, I'm talking to everybody and I I get excited about what's going on around me. So it's probably good that we're virtual. Mm. But uh, I do miss an office environment too. Oh, that's great. So you already touched on or anticipating my questions about consciousness. So I think some <laughs> of the things you touched on consciousness practices because you have to be present and being conscious to be able to, you know, hold your power, which is in your silence and, and your energy, because it's so easy to get swept away, right? So well, well, here, here's one for you, Raju. And I'm also a big believer. I, I look and see what successful people read and I try to read what they're reading, right? Sure. I'm like, so, you know, not that I believe that because they were successful, I read something and I will be successful. Mm-hmm. I'm more curious to see kind of what you said. What's, what's some of those things that do, gives them 
I'm going to move and do this. So I read Cosmic Consciousness, which was something that, uh, sure. why am I forgetting his name from Apple? I'm, not Tim Cook, uh, Steve Jobs. Mr. Jobs. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jobs, you know, although he did go to India and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and spend some time over there, which I didn't have the time to do, although I wouldn't mind. But I did read that book. Besides motivation, I do read some other self-help books and, and things that help you with the mind as well. Because I'm a big mm. believer in that stuff. It's just that I believe that you need a solid mind, you need a solid framework, and you need to recalibrate, like I, like I said before, every once in a while. And if you're not doing that, I think you can get into a really unhealthy spot. And luckily, I, I remember that it's helped me so much that it, when I do get into a bad spot, it just definitely you know clicks me out of it. It's, it's a pretty amazing. Okay. Well, consciousness practices. So now you've touched on a bunch of things in terms of, I was going to ask you a question about, well, in today's environment where, you know, people are remote and missing the interaction, um, there are many more challenges out there with the external environment, the technology sweeping people away and saying, oh my God, what, what is going to happen to me? Inflation, recession, all of this stuff. There's all sorts of external stuff that's happening. Always has and always will. What are the leadership lessons that you think you can sort of share with people who are navigating these uncertain times and or feel like if they're stuck in a job, they feel unfulfilled, they want to do something else entrepreneurial, but just freeze because they just don't know what to do. There's actually, I think there's two questions you, you laid there. <laughs> uh, the one about the people I'll get to in a minute, because I, I have a good example of that. But the thing about today is don't be afraid to keep taking chances and pivot a little bit. I know so many people that pivoted during COVID you know, they were a garment company and then they decided to make masks and then they went from making a couple hundred thousand dollars to a couple million dollars overnight. Mm -hmm. If you're pivoting, you can pivot into something you still know. Uh, it can be in industry, uh, it can be industry adjacent, but that pivot can completely change the face of what you're doing. It could be a, a good add on, a good complement to your current business model. We have some of those with Tactive. We've, you know, we're coming up with ideas. We're not, getting away from our core business. But, you know, when you're looking at what's going on in the, in the environment and, and everything, you're like, Hey, if this happened right now, this could really help us. And we're on one of those journeys as I speak. So don't be afraid to take some chances on and, and pivoting a little bit. If technology moves, look, everybody thought the tractor was going to put, you know, all the farmers out of business, but you know, it helped enhance what the farmers can do. And now we have more stuff. So okay. innovation is great. Embrace it and just figure out how you can use it to your benefit. So that's okay. the first thing. The second thing about the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart and it's a, it's a journey and, and, um, everybody, you know, it's, it seems to be a, not a fad, but I definitely, you go to YouTube and Twitter and TikTok and everything else. And it seems like everybody's an entrepreneur and everybody's been super successful. You'll find out who's successful and who's not based on what they're actually doing. You'll find truth into that. You know, you go on now to YouTube, almost everybody seems to be a millionaire, but you know, it's not real, but you'll, you'll find out like the, the reality, the real reality about being an entrepreneur is it is a different type of person. I mean, I listen to Gary Vanderchuk a lot and, and he oh talks God, a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. The first thing you got to do though, is you just got to be willing. First, you got to start, you got to be willing to put in the time and you have to realize, and he said, I just watched a, a video about this. Everybody starts with zero, zero, you know, everybody starts with zero friends. Everybody starts with zero followers. You have to be willing to put in the time and over time, you know, you're going to get better as an entrepreneur. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to learn. You're going to just, your stuff is going to get better. Mr. Beast says the same thing. Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't, he doesn't vary on that. And you know. I didn't know who Mr. Beast was until almost like just a year ago. You know, he's biggest YouTube star ever, but yeah. counts you've from definitely got to start a thousand over 24 hours. 
I don't know what people are yeah. watching to do that. I have no idea, but it's crazy insane. So I, I just got a haircut yesterday, you know, specifically for your podcast, Roger, oh, really? just so you, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you <didn't> yeah, <laughs> but you know, the, my hairstylist, she's afraid of just raising her rates. You know, she's an entrepreneur. She's yeah. just by herself, uh, you know, has her own clientele base. And I said, well, why are you afraid of raising your rates? She's, you know, the economy is, is the markets, you know, inflation, all, all the things. She goes, well, I'm going to lose some clients. I go, well, those clients that you lose, they'll probably be the clients you don't want. Do you have any clients in your book you don't want? She's like, I got a couple. I go, well, you know, are you happy? She's like, I wish I was happier. I go, why don't you raise your rates five bucks and see how much happier you'll be? Not only will you make more money, <laughs> but you'll get rid of some of those clients you don't want. And she goes, well, I'm afraid. I go, well, that's the first thing, you know, about being an entrepreneur. Some of the decisions you're going to make are scary, but usually as an entrepreneur, those decisions pay off big for us. Sure. Not only just forget about the pocketbook. Cause I said, throw that off the table. An extra 500 bucks a month is going to, you know, that's an extra six grand a year. Yeah. You could, you could do something with that. I go, but if that was off the table and you were just happier, what does that mean for you? And she goes, Oh, that would mean the world. I'll go raise your money, raise it five bucks. I'll pay five bucks. <laughs> so <laughs> well, just don't be afraid. Yeah. Well, I took that advice as of yesterday. I have a, an email list, right? That's crazy. Uh, and, and I just decided that where the engagement is or isn't, it's hard to know, right? No matter what you do, automation, et cetera, track everything. Go, All right. I say, this is my goodbye. I'm saying, Pivoting, revamping, rebooting, whatever it is. But if you want to engage with me, write to me on this email. For others, sayonara. I did that because I actually was using my coach to, you know, to to work with me on. Because I, you know, coaches have coaches too, right? So I have, I have three yeah. coaches I use for for you know, or for their help to hold me accountable and push me hard or give me the tough love when I need it. And it's great. I mean, that's that's the beauty of you're charging what you're what you think you're worth as opposed to what you really are, the value that you provide, right? You know, that, you know, the yeah. story of the, the plumber coming in and saying, you know, his rate is all he did was he knocked on the a nozzle in a particular spot at the bottom of the, the ba in a wash basin. And he was there for three minutes or two minutes. And then he said, OK, my 150 bucks. And he goes, well, you only here for two minutes. You're not paying for the two minutes. You're paying for his where to hit the darn thing. Right. So that you get right. the water flowing. So it's the wisdom and the experience that you're paying for. So, yeah, it's awesome. So I'm pivoting. Yeah. Doing, doing whatever it takes. All right. So. Um, Joe, I, we, we keep going forever, but one thing we didn't touch on is because of the kind of person you are and, and happy, happy going, and you can just see that you got to have something the other side, right? Have you experienced failure, rejection, trauma, or whatever those all, words are for you? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I was on another podcast about failure, actually. Um, failure will never overtake me if my will to succeed is great enough. You know, I, I repeat mm -hmm. that mantra. It's not that I love failure at the time, but I always love it afterwards because I learned so much. That first, that where where I was getting sued by uh, mm. that big that big firm, or not sued, but the cease and desist letter. Yeah, you know that was a that was a big gut wrench punch right there. I've been fired from jobs. You know, mm -hmm. I've I've taken on uh, jobs where you know I think I'm going down the right path, and uh, I got fired by a really good buddy of mine. I was actually started as a consultant for his company, got them really large distribution, uh, got a whole strategy together with him. And then, um, ended up me and him having some head, you know, hitting some heads. And I was like, I just don't agree with the way you're taking the company. And I think mm. you're wrong. And he fired me for it, but mm. I probably would have reacted a little differently in those situations mm. or just would have done things, you know, differently, but you build these experiences and you learn, you know, based on what's going on with life at the time. So, yeah, I mean, like I haven't been the best, uh, CEO, 
You know, I, I can confidently say that I wish, uh, I'm always striving to be a better CEO, but I've led a lot of people, a lot of personalities. And sometimes you, when you get close to people, it's, it's hard because you have that human connection yeah. to, to actually tell them what you need you, or, you know, how, how things need to react and you don't hold people as accountable as you, you should. So I've gotten better as a CEO of, of holding people accountable and making things happen and, and timelines and all that mm -hmm. it comes with time, but you, you fail early on and, you know, fail early, fail often, and you'll get better and better and better. Just love that. Love that, man. Failure is the only route to succeed, to do what you want to do. I think this one question I'm going to ask you, I don't ask anybody generally this question is, you know, you know, Peter Thiel, right? He famously asked yep. the question and I'm going to ask you what important truth do you believe that very few people agree with you on? That is a great question. I don't know if very few people can, can believe this, but I do believe now this is, this is interesting, especially given just where we are in the world and, and perceived view. I believe every human being is a kind person. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not just me saying happy go lucky Joe. I believe underneath everything, no matter how rough the exterior, I see positivity for humanity. I don't, Depending upon, I mean, look, when you look at news sources, everything, the world, the sky, everything's falling and, right. you know, maybe there's validity to that or not. I believe in the positive outcome of human beings. So I see the good in everybody, even if at the current moment, they may not be kind or good themselves. It's, it's if you could step out of that moment, you don't know what's going on in their lives. You don't know what's going on in their head. You don't know what's, you know, all these circumstances. I believe everybody can get along and you can have a good achievement together and you can have some type of compromise and then we can work together to build something, to do something, to move forward. Mm -hmm. I just see the good in humanity. And I don't think everybody agrees with that right now, but I believe that there's still a good runway ahead for us, as long as there's no meteor that hits or anything like that. <laughs> hey, if it does, it's what's meant to be. What, what can you do about it? You know, <laughs> yeah. you can't, can't do anything. Right. Well, maybe but, NASA, but, I don't know. Maybe they, Elon Musk might figure, figure something out for that. Well, it's uh, really, that's powerful because for me, optimism, you know, people say, oh, there's woo-woo stuff and positive thinking stuff. Yeah, I don't buy positive thinking stuff either. But the truth is that if you're not hopeful or have faith or faith in humanity, faith in, you know, then, then what are you going to be? What are, the, what are the possibilities for you? All the possibilities to me lie in the unknown. And, and therefore, if you just operate the way you've always operated in this divisive world, yeah, I think many people may not agree with you that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's good. I believe I believe that too. I, everybody's really, really good. At it. Just whatever it is that they're being fed is is what's driving them instead of looking within. So I totally get that. All right. So you know, we can go on forever, but learning wisdom. I don't take anything <laughs> for granted because I learn from everything around me and people, loved ones. Otherwise, they teach you all the time, even though sometimes you feel like a failure. So I've learned a lot from you in this conversation, getting to know you better, even like this. So for me, this is a co-creative process of learning and whoever's watching, listening, I hope you got something out of it. I mean, I can summarize four or five leadership lessons that I learned, which I will probably put in some kind of a summary as well. So I really appreciate your presence on this show and making the world a better place. So before I let you go in, in that same vein, I'm going to ask you this question that I ask most people, uh, what discoveries might you've had in this conversation you've had for the last 45 minutes? I actually got to learn a lot more about you, Raju, and, and realize we have a heck of a lot more in common to talk about off this podcast. I know I did another podcast about failures, but I, I didn't necessarily bring up things that have happened recently. What's interesting is you're still learning and you still fail. It depends on how people perceive this podcast. And they're like, okay, well, he's the CEO. He's got a good company. They're, they're growing. They're expanding. This is exciting. But you still have little challenges each and every day along the way that you can Absolutely. learn from. So 
that to me was a, a cool little uh, moment we had there. And, um, you know, just mm. make me realize that, you know, look, it doesn't matter what age you are. You got to be constantly hungry to discover how to get better. That's a good takeaway for me. Well, once again, real pleasure. And um, I'm going to see you on the other side of the podcast as well. So I hope we continue this conversation because th these are the conversations that are very important and conversations tend to die. And I think this medium allows us to keep them alive in some way that, you know, even after we're gone, that, you know, somebody got something out of this. I think that's powerful. So thank you. Thank you again. Appreciate you being thank here. Thank you. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode today. We strive to bring you conversations that make you think, reflect, and perhaps inspire you to take even one little step in your path towards personal growth and greater wisdom. Please download the show or the podcast episode that you just heard and leave us a comment so that we can continue to bring you meaningful and relevant topics in the future. Take care and thank you so much.